What's good, Illini Nation? It's your man in the middle, Dion Thomas, bringing to you another fresh version of Champagne on Ice. And as always, I bring you nothing but the very best. But today's Champagne on Ice is brought to you by Bet Rivers. So make sure you go online, check them out. They're going to need you, the same as I need my man here with me today, Marcus Liberty. All of you guys know who he is, but let's just touch a little bit on who he who he used to be, who he was, who he is, and how he's transformed all of this stuff into what he's doing today. He is one of the only that I know of two-time parade All-Americans back in 86 and then in 87. He was also in 1987 Mr. Basketball for the state of Illinois. Not to mention the very best basketball player in this country, not just in the state, uh, Illini Nation, but in the country. Went on to get drafted in the second round to the NBA, spent four years in the NBA, but had a 12, 13-year professional career. He's taken all of that and brought it back home. But we'll get into that a little bit later today. Doc, I appreciate you being on with me today, baby. Thank you. Man, you know, it's always a pleasure, Dion, man, to, to be on some of, our, of, of these podcasts that a lot of us have now. And yes. um, it's, it's awesome, man, to be joining you today. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to get into that, too, because, you know, I've listened to your podcast, man, and you got that thing rocking, bro. I, I appreciate it. And I want I want a line that nation to know it so they can hear it, so they can go on to subscribe to it, because you covering Chicago basketball, man, and you got a myriad of things that you can get into because we have such a long history of basketball. But this is something I'm going to tell you, and I don't know if you know this, uh, but when I was, when we, one, we played against each other. My, my first sophomore year was your senior year at King. Mm -hmm. I was so excited to play against you, and I was scared as hell all at the same time. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be real with you because, you know, when I came in this game as a shorty, I didn't play until I was a freshman in high school. My brother sent me to Simeon because he thought that Bob Hamburg could make me like he made Ben Wilson. But, of course, Benji passed. And, bro, you were that kind of player that my brother wanted me to be, which is that all-around, you know, just big guard. I'm going to call you a guard because everybody will put you as a small forward, power forward, whereas today you got you – you were the prototypical guy that's playing today. Uh, would I be wrong in that, um, in no, that comparison? No, I mean, you're, you're hitting it all uh, – you're hitting it right on the nose, man. This, that's what I always wanted to be. That's what I was, you know. Uh, Growing up in, you know, Chicago on the south side, you know, learning the game of basketball from my fathers and my brothers, um, they always taught me how to dribble the basketball. They said one thing, if you just can be one dimensional type player, only can shoot, then you easily guard, you easily mm -hmm. to guard. So um, I had to work on my ball handling skills. So I went to a lot of camps. I went to a Mel Davis camp. That's, I, I, that's actually how I really got it because he taught me the fingertips and how you know, the control of basketball. So that I give a bit, a lot of credit to him, but my, my family also gets the credit too. You know, you, you mentioned your family, you mentioned your brothers, man. Your, your people don't realize how good a basketball players both of your brothers were, as a matter of fact. And my first time playing basketball, and, and this is God's honest truth, I'm, I'm in eighth grade, summer before my, my going into my freshman year. I'm walking back from in Hamilton Park, I'm walking home. My brother's out there hooping with your brother and some other dudes. And was like, hey, we need another player. Come out here and play. And I'm like, dude, I had never played before. I go out there. I think I'm just bumming it up, right? So on the walk home, my brother tells me, he's like, dude, you're not playing baseball no more. You're playing basketball. And I'm like, why? He was like, do you realize those dudes you were on the court with? He mentioned stretch. Uh -huh. he, you know, uh, Frederick Hughes' brother was out there, Chris, and some other dudes. And I'm like, no, I, you know, I don't know nothing about these cats, man, because I didn't. Right. And he was like, well, you play. He was like, if you can play with them, you can play. Tell everybody that's on here a little bit about your brothers, man, because they got to give them love because both of your brothers can play. And they seem to have lived in Hamilton Park. Because <laughs> well, both of my brothers were street guys, you know, they they stayed in the streets, man. They, they always go, you know, places to, to play basketball. I was the one that they kind of protected away from that until I got older enough. But yeah, they were the ones always. Daryl, my brother Stretch, who you was talking about, he's no longer with us. Rest in peace. But he was the one that 
everybody pretty much knew. Uh, and then my older brother, Edgar, yep. and I actually do, I have a half brother too that played basketball. So we all played basketball. We hung out, but Duro Stretch was the one that people really knew. Mm-hmm. But Edgar was probably the best out of all of us. And, but he, he let the streets really get him. Uh, he didn't get that opportunity, you know, to really shine because the streets, you know, you know, captivated him and he didn't get, he didn't get that opportunity, but he did enroll in Simeon. My older brother was at Simeon, but I remember the story. Hamburg said, I know the name, but I've never seen the face. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he, he never, he, he never really even went to school, man. So he just missed out on his opportunity. Yeah. I, then, you know, we grew up in we know how easily that can happen. I mean, it happened to my brother as well. You know, he played basketball and football and, and, you know, where he should have been is not where he ended up. That's right. Um, but you say, Daryl, your brother ended up going to Simeon. How did we lose you to King there? You know what, man? I tell people this story all the time, but I never really told it publicly like this. Um, my mom went to Simeon. Oh, know? I didn't know that. Yeah, my mom went to Simeon. I had cousins, the Dawsons. Those are my those are my kin folks, the Rices. Yeah, those, those are those are all. So my family all pretty much went to Simeon High School. And then my uncles, uh, the elementary school that Hambrick was teaching at, they all went to there, you know. So Hambrick used to joke with him all the time. How could how why I missed out on the main one I needed to get? You know, you guys gave me everybody else but the one I really wanted. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, I, I would have loved to have had you at Simeon because then I would have been able to learn from you, from Nick, and from Irvin. And then I'll follow all three of you to, uh, to Illinois after that, and it would have been sick. But we go back to that, you know, going back to the high school time. I mean, Marcus, you were the baddest man on the planet in the city, bro. Uh, and, and I'm just going to say it. You were, like I said, you were one of the guys that I looked up to and, and as I was going through and watching you play. You talk about how your brothers pushed you. They gave you the fingertip drills. What was some of the other things? What was your drive? I mean, because that's what always interests me. I mean, yeah, your brother, my brothers kicked our butts and pushed us along. But what was your drive to really become well, the player you did? It was kind of like your situation, being thrown in the fire. You know, my uh, dad threw me out there. We did, used to do pickup basketball all the time, but I never played with him. I never played with him, not one time until this particular day, this particular weekend, they had it. They needed an extra man. Kind of like what your brother said. No, you playing. My dad said, no, you playing. I said, no, I'm not. I'm hanging out with my buddy over here. We throwing rocks. We doing, we doing kid things, you know, throwing crab apples and doing uh, running and, and all that type of stuff. But my dad on this particular day said, no, you're going to play. So he made my brother go find me, bring me on the court. I didn't know nothing about it. Didn't know how to dribble. Didn't know how to shoot. I was throwing the ball over the basket, dribbling off my foot. But it was this particular play, man. Uh, I ran down one of my cousins. They had stole the ball and they was running for a layup. And I jumped and I blocked the shot. And I got a taste of success. And everybody was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next day, I talked to my dad. I said, I think I want to try it. I think I want to learn the game. He said, now, if you're going to learn it, you want to learn it. You got to wake up every morning uh, at this time. You know, and I'm like, okay. So we woke, we was doing it every day, every weekend. I was out there on the court and he taught me the game. And from there on, I said, I love it. I love, I love competing. I love listening. I love learning the game. Uh, that's why when people see me play, they say your fundamentals are so tight. It's because my dad taught me the game the right way. Let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up yet with Bet Rivers, Now's the time. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. When you win at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, they pay fast. And now it's even faster. With Rush Pay, instant approval for withdrawals. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable. With March Madness right around the corner, there's never been a better time to give Bet Rivers Sportsbook a try. Go to BetRivers.com today or download Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. You are what players are today, and you were that 20 years ago. 
<laughs> you know, so it, it, it's just crazy how far uh, advanced your dad's thinking was, your family's thinking was, and making you an overall basketball player. And that did that for you in the city. As I mentioned earlier, two-time parade All-American, McDonald's All-American, uh, Mr. Basketball in the state of Illinois. You garnered your reputation playing at King. You know, how was it? And I, and I loved Coach Cox. Uh, especially after graduation, because <laughs> y'all used to put it on us. So didn't really like it very much then. But can you tell a little bit about your time at, at King leading up until your senior year? And I remember when you went to the, um, what was it, the ABCD camp, and it was a big thing when they were talking about it in Chicago when you were going over there at the time. Tell how those uh, experiences, you know, made Marcus Liberty. Well, for one, I had a coach that believed in me. You know, when you have someone that believes in you, you do just about anything for them. And that's what Coach Cox was to a lot of us. He was a motivator. He saw things that maybe we didn't see in ourselves. And I remember that one day he, he told me, he said, you're going to be the number one player in high school in the country. And I'm looking at him like, <laughs> I've never left the state of Illinois. What are you talking about in the country? You know, and he, he saw something in me. He knew he was going to take me to these national camps and do all these great things. Uh, but I did have a lot of older players that helped me along the way as well. Tracy Dildy, you know, Tracy Dildy, who's now coaching, assistant coach. He was a head coach in college. He was our point guard my sophomore year. So I learned a lot from him. He used to tell everybody, you know, on our team that Marcus is like a point guard. He thinks just like I do. So we basically had two point guards out there. So he started to, you know, tell me things that I started believing. You know, I started believing it and, he took me up on his wings and the rest was history, man. When I, when my, my, by the time my junior year came and I, let's go back a little bit. Well, Cox saw some things that he was a visionary. He saw things that we probably didn't even see. Like I remember one time he took us, it was uh, the state championship game. Of course, of course it was Simeon downstate mm. uh, and Wilson and them was playing. And he took me and Lavertus Robinson, me and Lavertus Robinson to the game down in Champaign and I was wondering why, but I saw all the people we had on our keen jackets and we looking at each other like, we gotta get down here. This is exciting. This is, you know, the crowd, the people who's in the game. And I said, we have to get back down. We have to get down here, man. If Simeon, if Simeon can do it, we can do it. So I was, I started thinking, I was like, that's why Cox brought us down here. He wanted us to see it. So if we see it, then we would want to get there, you know? So, Next year, sure enough, <laughs> we were down in Champaign-Urbana, man, because of what Cox, Cox had got an opportunity to show me in Lavertis, and the rest is history after that. Like you said, vision, you know, kids today, and, and same with your kids, which we'll get into and we'll talk about what you're doing now, but the, the, the first thing to knowing or believing you can do something is to see it. So it was a uh, vision. It was a visionary move for Cox to take you guys out of Chicago to take you down there. Because at that time, um, Illini Nation, there was no AAU. So you were with your high school teams, whether whatever tournaments you were playing in, um, but throughout the state of Illinois, a practice and things like that, you were with your high school team. So for him to think ahead, to be able to put you in that environment was, was definitely a very smart thing. Because you guys, you know, of course, it was always Simeon and King were, were really the dominant forces in the city. And I remember stepping out on the court with you my sophomore year, which you guys beat us that year because, you know, King, uh, Hamburg didn't play freshman on varsity. So I had to play and I'm out there with Dion uh, uh, Butler and, and Melvin Nunn and all of those guys. And now I can't remember the score, but I do know you guys won that game. So, <laughs> oh yeah, it was. I remember that. But I remember watching you and and Lavertis, and uh, by that time, you know Johnny Selby and some of the other guys that have been during my generation were on that team. But you were a senior, so mm -hmm. going into that game, that city championship game, what was your thought process? Of course, it was beat Simeon. I know that, and get down state. But what were you thinking as the senior, knowing that this was this was your last shot to get down state. Can't go out. Can't go out like can't go out like a loser, man. You know, I, I at least wanted to have an opportunity to get back to uh, the state tournament. And we had young guys. We had two freshmen starting 
And we lost a lot of games. We lost to Dunbar twice. We lost to Collins High School. So we lost to a lot of teams. But the main objective was to get to the city championship. And we know anything can happen. Anything is possible. And I just got hot at the right time. I started rolling. And, and next thing you know, uh, we started playing some games. We played against the Collins again. And then we had to play, you know, Simeon again. Uh, and I was like, we're we not losing. We're not losing. And I just told the freshmen, y'all just follow my lead, follow my lead. And the, and the rest was history. You know, we get downstate and then we play against a, a, a top East St. Louis Lincoln team with Lafonso Ellis. And they had a lot of a lot of athletes. And I just think the freshmen wasn't ready for that. But it helped Jamie, you know, in the future. It, it did. It did. It definitely stepped them up because, you know, Jamie and I, of course, did battle the, the next three years before I left. And they ended up knocking me out. My, my senior year. So I, I know that feeling that you were trying to, to evade, but you know, you do that, you get all these accolades your senior year, it comes down to making a choice. I, I, I heard um, for a long time, it was Syracuse, Syracuse, Syracuse. And then you, you, of course you end up going to Illinois. You and I both know Jimmy Collins played a huge part in that as he did in my life. And I know he did in yours. Walk me through that and then walk me through a little bit that that freshman year, um, because I, I speak for me first. Culture shock mm -hmm. coming from the west side of Chicago, where the only white people I saw were police right. to, be, to being dropped on the campus in Champaign. Well, that was pretty much all you saw. So walk me through your freshman year. You know, well, going into making your decision and then how your freshman year was on campus. Well, that decision was really hard. Because I, I used to see two coaches at a lot of my basketball games, and that was Lou Henson and Jimmy Collins and Jimmy Beheim and Wayne Morgan, you know, two orange and blue uh, schools that, you know, really wanted my service. They really wanted me to, to play for them. And I can remember going to visit Syracuse, and I'm watching their practice, and I'm seeing Derek Coleman, you know, get dunks from Sherman Douglas and 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 and. and, and uh, Stevie Thompson, Duncan, and and uh, all these guys, like, they were just playing, you know. Yeah. Bam was just letting them play, and I liked it, you know. And they even let me, you know, participate, you know, in, in some of that. You know, back then you wasn't supposed to participate. And I guess, you know, Jim Beheim was liking what he said, saw. And Jim Beheim told me this, man, and it's, it's a true story. He says, um, if you come to Syracuse, I'm going to let you pretty much play wherever you want. He said, mark my words. If you go to Illinois, they're going to stick you in the post. And that, that resonates with me to this day, you know, mm -hmm. listening to what he had said to me. Right. And my high school coach, I had did a verbal commit right then and there. Like oh, I wow. said, I'm coming to Syracuse, you know, and, and Cox was like, no, Marcus, you, you, you're just going off with, you know, your emotions and all that. Don't, no, don't sign nothing. You know, that's what he told me. Don't sign anything. He said, you got to go visit Illinois. And I said, all right. So I visit Illinois and had a good time, you know, of course, hanging out with Nick and, and uh, the fellas, Irvin, Lowell Hamilton, and, and they showed me a good time. And now I'm confused, you know, and coach Collins, you know, who was heavily recruiting me, you know, and, he was from Syracuse, so he's definitely not trying to lose that battle uh, between Syracuse and Illinois because he's, you know, he's at Illinois and not at Syracuse. So he's like, Marcus, I know it's tough, man, but who's going to love you like Chicagoans are? You know, and I'm like, I started thinking, I was like, yeah, that's not too far, you know, for him to come. My mom can come see me. My dad can come see me play. He said, you already established that. Yeah. You have to do that again in Syracuse. You know, and I started thinking and I said, well, yeah, maybe you're right. You know, and then I started building that relationship back up with him again because I was pretty much trying to cut him off because I knew I was going to Syracuse. Right. And I started building that relationship back up with coach. I said, you know what? I'm a, I'm I'm coming. You know, I'm coming to uh to Champaign to go to school and you know, the rest was uh, me 
figuring out things because now you got the SAT, you got to take that, you know, you got to do a lot of things. And I'm going to share something with a lot of the Illini fans who probably don't know. I know they don't know this. It was, uh, I took the test and something didn't look right on the test. So the, the SAT, you know, testing, you know, people were saying that something don't look right. Right. So even though I passed it, a lot of people don't know I passed the test. So they said, doesn't look good. So I'm in the bridge, you know, in Champaign at the bridge uh, in, in, in school. And then Coach Collins comes by to the dorms. He says, Marcus, uh, they're not going to let that fly. So you need to retake the test. And I'm like, man, for real? He said, yeah, you got to retake the test. So Coach Collins figures out a way to get me there. And we get to, Champ- we get to uh, Norman, Illinois to retake the test. I retake the test. I'm nervous. Coach Collins said, man, you got this. You got this, Marcus. Go, go do it. Go knock it out. So I get up there, take the test, get, get done with the test. About a week and a half later, back in Champaign, in the bridge, Coach Collins comes to the dorms. Marcolis, he called me Marcolis. He said, Marcolis, you passed the test. I said, what? Yeah. He said, you passed the test. So I said, oh, cool. So now I can play my freshman year. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play my freshman year, you know, and Coach, Coach Collins did, after that told me, he said, but Lou Henson doesn't want to bring any attention to that. So he'll rather just you sit out and not play at all. Only two, only three people know this story. Me, Lou Henson, and Coach Collins. I never shared this story with anybody. And that was one of the the hardest things for me to do to stay there because I'm like, he he didn't even want to stand up for me. So it kind of hurt me. And a lot of people don't know that story, man. I was actually, you know, eligible to play, but he didn't want to, to fight it. So he just let it be. Wow. I, I, I didn't know that. And that is, uh, I can tell you, that's going to be a tough story for a line our nation to hear because that's, that's, it's a, that's a big surprise. I had no clue. And that actually hurt me because I didn't get an opportunity to play my freshman year. Hmm. Um, and it could have been a lot of reasons, you know, that the squad was stacked, you know, and the team was stacked, you know, with a lot of great players. And, but, for me to lose that year and not be able to practice, not be able to hang out as much as I wanted to on the court with my teammates, it really, it really hurt me because this is, this is what I'm accustomed to. Now I'm in a foreign, a foreign territory, me not playing basketball, going to school and, you know, being a student uh, and, and trying to figure out things on the fly. You know, it's, it felt like an out, I felt like an outcast. Wow. It's so funny you, sh- you you share that because, you you know, when I came in my freshman year um, and I couldn't play because of that whole mm-hmm. uh, investigation with Bruce Pearl, I felt a lot of what you just described. Um, I, I felt at one point that the universe wasn't on my side, so I felt like an outsider. Um, because I was upset and angry and, and, and mad at everybody, I didn't come and hang out with you guys as much as I could have or should have um, because I was I actually could practice. But I was, you know, I was being a baby. I'm like, man, I'm not going over there, <laughs> you know, if, and, and, I, and I regret that now because having if I would have been able to hang around you watching you do what you do, you know, and watching, you know, Nick and some of the other guys, I, I think that would have thoroughly helped me moving forward more than, you know, of course, me living the life of a typical and regular college student because I was having a little bit too much fun. Right, <laughs> right. You know, so it, 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 I understand exactly where you're coming from. And, and I'm surprised. I thought I was the only one. It's always good to know that you're not the only one, but not in this case, I guess. So you go through the freshman year. Freshman year is hard. Um, as I said, I, I feel you. You get into your, sa- your sophomore year, and now you're on the court. And I'm going to assume this is when Marcus, you know, at least internally starts to blossom. Oh, well, it happened a little bit, you know, in that summer because we were playing at Empey. You know, everybody knows Empey. If you're from, you know, Champaign or went to school there, that the basketball players pretty much ran the gym. So. Yeah. 
it was that summer, Ken Norman, uh, Mitchell Wiggins, you know, they were all coming to hang out and it was a packed house. And I can remember Ken Norman guarding me and I'm guarding him. And I did a move and I went baseline and came back on the other side and dunked it. And it was on him. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm back. I'm back. And all the guys were, you know, cheering. And then next, next thing I know, practices start with us over at Huff Gym. And we starting to, you know, jail. And we starting to get after it. You know, guys wanting to fight. You know, guys arguing, guys pushing and shoving. That's when I knew we had something special. Because when you have stuff like that, it's like the big brother. And, you know, the little brother coming in, doing his thing. You're like, no, no, it's not your time yet. And we would just go at it, man. It didn't matter who, who it was. And that's when I knew we were special. Even though our team was that loaded, we all knew we had one common goal. And a lot of people don't know this story about us. Everybody was interchangeable. But if you look at the leading score, he didn't average a, like 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. It was probably 16 or 17 points that I think Nick or Kenny was averaging. The rest of us was like 9, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13. So we all knew that any given day, somebody can go for 20. Somebody can go for 30. So we knew that, and we didn't get caught up in all of the hoopla that Marcus has to, because Marcus is the number one high school player in the, in the country. He has to score 30 points like he did at King High School. And I realized that, and Coach Henson and Jimmy Collins was a big part of that, I think that's one thing that I really respect both of those, both of our coaches for. They didn't let me try to uh, get caught up in the hype, meaning what you did in high school, you can do it here. And I respect Coach Henson for doing that, for one, because it could have easily went the other way. I could have went like, man, I need to score 30 points and I'm not scoring 30 points. I'm upset and this and that. I never got upset. Coach, Coach Henson did a great job with that. He brought me along slowly. And I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate that. And I think once we figured it out, we knew the rest was history as far as us getting to the tournament. Once we get to the tournament, we was like, we got to take one game at a time. And it it was all played in the big domes, these big old domes, man, and the background. So it was hard to shoot, you know, in those gyms. And, but Kenny Battle and uh, Nick Anderson and, Lowell Hamilton, we pretty much rode their shoulders. We was riding their shoulders all the way through. And you, as you know, one of them, well, two of them got hurt. Kenny Battle got hurt and Lowell Hamilton got hurt. It could have easily went south, meaning I could have said, man, I ain't never playing. I ain't playing the minutes that I'm, I'm accustomed to playing. I can't really get loose. I could have pouted on the bench and said, no, but – on this particular day, you know, it was it was my time. It was me and Irvin Small time and Larry Smith to come off the bench and provide, you know, some energy so our guys can pull this one out. And sure enough, it was against Louisville. Never nervous Purvis. We all know what he was bringing to the table. And we went out there and competed. And we won the game. And those guys got back healthy. And we had to play Syracuse the next, the next game. And we beat Syracuse, and now it's Final Four time, you know, and it was exciting, man. It was an exciting moment for all of us in 1989. Well, I, I can tell you this, man. You you guys, that, that team, and, of course, you being there being there, being there were the reason I I went to Illinois. It was a huge part of why, why I took that step. But watching you guys, and, and I went through this, and I talked to Steve and Kendall about this very same thing. You guys are, are what – today's basketball is way back in 1989. This positionless flow of basketball where you were all interchangeable spots is what you, you know, is what that team was then. Also, not just that, you guys had the longer shorts because, you know, you remember how our shorts looked in high school. We we had them nut cutters, man. <laughs> and so you guys had, you know, of course, they weren't the Michigan all the way down to your knees short, but you guys were the, 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 well, and Michael Jordan, we'll give him a little bit of pub too. But you right. guys on the collegiate level 
were the, okay, the long shorts, the interchangeable parts, the energy, the, you know, outside of the fly, five slime pajama, all five people dunking the basketball. Well, you guys went about eight, nine deep dunking the basketball. I mean, tell a little bit just about how that, that construct of that team and, and how you guys all molded together to be as successful and have as much fun as you guys were having. Well, you know, Dion, you love it when people, other, especially the media, talking about you. And oh, yeah. uh, Vitale was one of those guys that was always talked and say, you know, these guys play above the rim. And next, all of a sudden, he gave me with his nickname, the Flying Illini, the Flying Illini, the Flying Illini. And it took off and ran from there. So we wanted to live up to that. So every time we played a game, you know, somebody was going to get dunked on. Somebody was going to get an alley-oop thrown to him. Somebody was going to come out on a fast break and get dunked on. So we wanted to live up to that. And, um, and we did just that, you know, so everybody on our team, like you said earlier, was interchangeable. We played above the rim. Uh, that was a special team, man. Anytime you can get someone to nickname you, you know, you're special, just like the five slammer jammer, you know? So I love that name. Every time I go out in public, people talk about that team. Um, some say it could be one of the teams that come out of um, I'm not going to disagree with them on that. And I just want everybody to know that each and every one of us love our school. You know, every one of us wanted our school to be the best. We wanted to win that national championship. And then when D Brown and them came through in 2005, we were all cheering and wanting them to win that national championship. And now we're here in 2021. We won Io Sumo and his crew to win that national championship. So we we all big supporters of our school, man. And we all talk about it. Oh, yeah. Ain't nothing but love. And that's one of the things, you know, I, I use the, the phrase Illini family all the time, you know, basketball program is a family. I mean, the other sports, I'm sure they're the same way. But if you encompass the, you know, you're walking down the street and you hear somebody yell ILL, you know, there's always a response of an I and I. The University of Illinois itself has a family and a fan base that's that's amazing. But our basketball family, I believe, is even tighter than that. And, and it's I think a lot of that is because we went through a lot of those same battles and scars and bleeding on the uniform. And as you said, Coach Henson and Coach Collins, Coach Nagy, Coach Coombs always kept us, you know, together and kept us in that, never allowing egos to get bigger than what they, you know, what they were and, and really kept a lot of those things under wraps. So it, it's great to hear you say that. Um, but I, 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 in my opinion, and I'll say it, I love the 2005 team, D Brown, Darren. I love all of those dudes. Augie is my man. But the final line I is the best team that ever played at the University of Illinois. You can't say it, but I can't. <laughs> and I hope those guys don't get upset about it. But, man, I mean, I haven't seen a team, you know, and this is my years of coaching. This is my years of playing that were that was like you. Maybe UNLV, maybe. Um, but, I mean, I, I talk. I, I can either say, you know, you and I, I would – I would respect that one, you know, UNLV and Georgetown, that 1983-84, Patrick Ewing, Reggie Williams at Wingate, that team was, you know. Was I agree, but the only the only reason I say that that you the comparison is to that UNLV team, tallest player on their team was 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, That's right. You know, that was their center. I mean, you guys are, are almost similar. Patrick Ewing, seven feet tall, they had a real center, even right. though they were really good. You guys didn't have a real center. Wow, we did. I mean, before you got there, there was um, um, the Blob Boy, but he never played that much. <laughs> he oh. was like there with Kenny now. Uh, so he didn't play as much. But when you guys were that five just interchangeable parts, man, you know, it, I don't know. I, I get I get excited about it because I enjoyed watching you guys play probably more than anybody that's going to listen to us talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I, I was, you know, not just a, a recruit. I was a fan. Right. So. You get the final four, of course, you know, it's always heart wrenching, even for me. And I wasn't even on that team uh, to lose in the final four. But the thought process coming into your to, to that next year when you were still on the team, Kendall, of course, Nick had moved on and I was coming in. And I've, I've mentioned this before and I'll say this. The two things that that hurt me the most about that investigation 
was one that I thought Coach Collins would have been the next head coach. Um, and, and I think that investigation tarnished him and, and didn't allow him to do it. And I didn't get a chance to play with you guys. Yeah. That, that's what I wanted was to be able to play with you and Kendall, Steve, Larry, you know, and the rest of you guys that were there. Because in my opinion, I thought we're right back in the mix of that thing. I, I, I say this a lot. You were the missing piece. If we had you, now it takes me away from, you know, doing all the battling, you know, with the bigger guys on the other team. That's you doing that now. And now I'm, you know, back to that wing position and and, and doing some some damage from there. Uh, so I, I, I if we had you, you know, along with Larry Smith, because Larry Smith got into some some uh, some things uh, all, as well. And so we didn't get, we didn't have Larry Smith either. And I think if we had you two, we back, we back there definitely. And we had Kendall, we had Steve Bardo, we had myself and we were still battling. We were battling people, but we just did, we just couldn't, we just couldn't pull it through. I mean, I think I was averaging close to 18 points. Kendall was averaging close to 19 points a game. Bardo was doing his thing as always, you know, keeping the team together, making sure everybody's in the right place. So we had, we had, the, we had some, th we had the three dogs and we had some other players that was, you know, uh, just as important to our team. But if we had you and, and Larry Smith, man, you, we, we, you never know what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, those are the two things that crushed me about that investigation, bro. I mean, you have no idea. And it, I actually had someone ask me that a while ago and they were like, yeah, what do you, I, these are the regrets. These are the two. There are no other ones. I don't really care. Those two things are the things that pain me the most. So you have a really good year, decide to go to the draft, 42nd to Denver, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. to Denver. How was that rookie year going into Denver? Of course, you're coming off of, you know, a really nice year for yourself and everybody knew what you could do. I mean, if we had one and duns or going straight to the NBA out of high school, you would have been going straight to the NBA being a one and done out of, after what you did at King. How was that first year going into uh, with the Nuggets? Well, I would even want to talk about the draft, you know, because the draft was funny, you know, yeah. to me. Um, I worked out for New York Knicks, the Milwaukee Bucks, Portland, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Clippers, Phoenix Suns. So I worked out for those teams. So I'm thinking one of those teams are going to draft me. And Milwaukee calls me the day of the draft and says, keep your phone lines open because we are going to draft you at 16. So I'm like, yes. So the night comes, the evening comes of the draft and 16 pick comes around. I'm excited. I'm up. I'll, Milwaukee Bucks select. Terry Mills out of Michigan. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> they just called me and told me that they were going to draft me with the 16th pick. So I didn't get drafted. So the draft kept going, kept going. Names kept being called, kept being called. And no mark is in the first round. And I can remember listening to Doug Collins and because he was doing the, 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 the draft. Marcus Liberty's still out there, you know. Marcus Liberty's a great player, you know. That, you know, he just kept talking about me. And I'm like, man, am I gonna get drafted? So now it's coming to the second round. I fell asleep. You know, I said, you know, I'm not gonna watch this no more. My mom wakes me up. She says, You just been drafted by the Denver Nuggets. You know, they took you at the 42nd pick. And I'm like, yes. Woo. Right. And then I get a call from one of the majority, uh, the majority owners, uh, Pete, Pete Bino from Chicago. He's a Chicagoan, uh, real successful businessman. And he says, uh, we glad, we glad to have you. We, we happy that you, <laughs> I know you're not happy, but we happy that you slipped that far. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and then I get there. Doug Moe is the one that actually drafted me. Doug Moe, he's, he, he saw some things in me, like, a, you know, one of his former players, uh, Alex English, who give you buckets, you know. Right. Uh, so I remember going down there and working out and, 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 and doing the summer camps with them. And before the season started, Doug Moe is fired. Oh. So I'm like, oh, man. So now they bring in Paul Westhead 
who's another guy. You know, I watched his Loyola Miramar teams. I remember him coaching the Lakers. So I know he likes to get up and down. So I'm like, that's, that's what I like, you know, so I'm cool with that. But he didn't, he couldn't change that because he had a lot of veterans, you know, Orlando Wards, Walter Davis, Michael Adams, T.R. Dunn, just to name a few. Uh, those guys were NBA, you know, journeymans that been there for a while. And it, you can't just push them to side and say, I'm going to play these young guys, you know, and me and Chris Jackson, Chris Jackson was the lottery pick uh, for that team. And I was, you know, the second rounder. So me and him came in together. He didn't play that much either, you know. So it, the fans are really like, why do we draft them so high if we're not going to play them? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he was going through it with me, man. So I, luckily I had him to go with me, you know, through this. And then second year comes around, they fire Paul Westhead. So I'm like, man, this is crazy. You know, I get drafted. Now you got to learn these different coaches' philosophies. You know, they have all these different, you know, philosophies of what they think, how the team should be ran and this and that. And so I just learned Mo, uh, Doug Moe's system and then Doug Moe gets fired. Then I learned Paul West's system and then he gets fired. So now they bring in Dan Issel, another, not a line guy, but an Illinois guy. Yeah. He's from the state of Illinois. And he knew, he knew my game. He watched me in practice because he was doing – you know, the commentary of our games. He was commentating our games. So he knew a lot. He saw a lot of me. He said, I'm going to give you that opportunity. He started me. The next year he started me. I was averaging probably about 14 points a game. And then all of a sudden we started losing and losing. And of course, you know, I'm the, I was drafted in the second round. So if things not going well, let's pull Marcus out, you know, so they take me out and, they start Reggie Williams and Mark Macon. I think Mark Macon was a lottery pick too. And I never got that starting position back. And then I, to make, I'll tell you the story, man. I have to tell it because people need to hear stories. You know, I, I have an agent and the agent job is to give you advice. So my three years, I signed a three-year contract with the Denver Nuggets. And that was unheard of back then. You know, people wasn't signing three-year contracts, you know, being drafted in the second round. No, you're right. Uh, 100% right on that. So so Denver gave me three years, right? And then that contract was about to expire. So Bernie Bickerstaff, he says to my agent, we're going to give Marcus an eight-year contract. Wow. Eight years. And my agent is the one that's supposed to give me legal advice. He tells me to turn it down. And I'm looking like, what? You know, that's that's enough to take care of my family. You know, right. we'll, be, we'll be good. But he put it in my head. I can get you that million in two years. I said, oh. So I turned it down. Because of the advice he gave me, I turned it down. It took a $650,000 contract. And before, like three or four games we into the season, they trade me. Bernie Bickerstaff could have been feeling some kind of way. You know, if he doesn't want to be here, then we'll get rid of him. And they traded me to Detroit. Didn't play that much at all in Detroit. And you know how that goes. You don't play. You don't get no contract extension. You don't get anything. So that's my exit. That was my last time playing in the NBA. Um, it really hurt me. So I tell people all the time to make sure you're on top of your age and make sure you run you like you're a business. Uh, understand that people will take advantage of you just so they can get their pockets fat. You know, because that's the only reason why I would say, why would he tell me to take, not take that deal? Because it was a less money. I wouldn't get the big money until the end of the contract. So he was like, if we do this, you can get paid, you know, in two years. And that was just a wrong, that was a bad part on his part and a bad part on my part because I didn't understand at the time. Right. Well, I mean, you were, you, you were, you were young and, and, and you just happened to run into the wrong person. And I mean, and that's terrible, but. It's so funny. Let's go back to the draft. It's so funny, Marcus, how our lives, our basketball lives parallel. 
you know, I'm sitting at Coach Collins' house draft night and after having flown to Orlando, to Milwaukee, to Dallas, to Denver, to New Jersey, it worked out for all these teams. Hey, we're taking you between 17 and 19. Now, this is coming from these various teams. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, good. So I'm sitting at Coach's house. I'm telling everybody, yeah, I'm going here, going here, you know, between this between this area. Because all three of those, three or four of those teams were in the same area. Right. Comes and goes. Comes and goes. Comes and goes. Now we're at the bottom. The Bulls call me. Hey, we're taking you with the, uh, I think it was 27th pick at that time. Yeah, because I went first pick, second round. We're going to take you with the 27th pick. I'm like, all right, guys, I'm going next. Right. Came on and they were like, and the Bulls take Dickie Simpkins. We were like, what? (laughs) I mean, had the whole D in there and everything. I'm I'm getting ready to get up and I'm like, what? So I understand completely what you mean. And I hope the Lion Nation understands, man, that thing turns into a business Mm -hmm. blink of an eye. And, And if we don't know, we don't know. And we didn't know. Wow. Um, and you, but you nail one thing right on the head. Second round picks don't get three year deals. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll tell everybody, I, you know, when I was working on my deal with Dallas, a lot like you, we had two general managers from the time I went to training camp to the time vet camp got ready to roll around. We had two general managers. Wow. And I'm like, how, you know, how does this work? So, you know, my agent is like, well, you know, you're going to go down here and do this anyway. And then on what was the 11th hour, I get a call and he calls me, well, I got a team in Spain that wants to pay you this much, which was more than what they wanted to pay me in Dallas. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do that? Right. (laughs) So strange how life changes for you. You know, you don't take the eight year deal. You, You end up... I go over there thinking I'm coming back the next year and I never came back. It made a career over there. Exactly. But what you're doing now, because that wasn't the end of your stop. I mean, Doc, you had multiple really long, good years after that. I mean, if I go on and have a 12, 13 year uh, pro career, both in the CBA and in Europe, can you tell a little bit about that experience? Yeah, I, I had an opportunity to, to try to get back into the NBA. Of course, everybody knows your way back to the NBA. You have to go through the CBA, yeah. uh, the Continental Basketball Association. So I, um, I, I, I wanted to do it. I love the game of basketball. I wanted to be able to provide for my family. Uh, so I took, I took a deal to do the CBA thing and grind, big grind. You, you go into truck stops, you, you stand at, you know, not, these luxury hotels that you were staying in, in the NBA. Uh, so it was, it was a wake up call, but I never looked at myself as being better than the next person anyway. So um, I was going to ride that ship and I got an opportunity to actually work out for the Cleveland. Well, actually it was Boston and Cleveland. Boston was the summer before I uh, did the CBA. Didn't make it. I was the last cut. And then Cleveland it was just a numbers game. You know, they had drafted Chris, Chris Mills and me and him were playing uh, similar positions and Mike Fratello liked, he, he liked what he saw in me, but he was like, I can't, I got to find minutes for this guy. And yeah, we, we can't, we can't keep you. And then I went to the CBA after that. Then the CBA played, played decent. Um, but then overseas started calling me some overseas teams. It was a team in France um, they were like, my agent was calling me. My agent said, well, this team in France want to pay you six figures. You're, you're not making six figures in the CBA. You know, do you want to take this? I said, man, I've never played basketball overseas. I don't know the culture. I don't, it, it would be a shock to me. So I, I did take the deal. I took the deal though. I was going to say, how you turn down six figures? Woo. No. I took the deal and I got hurt, you know, mm. because, you know, they want you to play soon when you get off the plane, you know, oh, yeah. I, soon when I got off the plane, they will, they say, we got to practice, you know, you got to be ready. And I was, I was still kind of loose, you know, so I was doing my thing, dunking and everything in the layup lines and shooting jump shots, making look away passes. So the fans were loving me. They's like, yes, we got an American that can really, you know, play. And probably the second game, 
I had, I, I pulled my hamstring. You know, you can't play with no hamstring. You can't jump. You can't run. Uh, but they kept me. They didn't want to send me home. But this one, I noticed something about the European, you know, basketball league, how they do things. It was an American in the stands. And I was like, why is he here? So I'm asking the players on the other team, um, on our team. He's like, that's who you, that's the, you took his place. I'm like, why is he in the gym then? I guess he wanted to see who came in to, to replace him. And, 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 and he was Demps. Was it Demps? I think Demps is a general manager. He was a general manager in the league. Dale Demps, I think. Or, well, anyway, it was him. I took his place. And I said, is that how they do it over here? And sure enough, when it was my time to be released, I, I saw a guy, you know, you know, coming in the gym. And I'm like, who is this? And they knew I wasn't going to be helpful, you know, fully healthy to, to right. play. And then they gave me they gave me this game. They said, we got a game is against Michael Ray Richardson and David Rivers. You're going to guard David Rivers. I said, are you kidding me? OK, I can't guard him, man. He's a guard. He's, and he's a little fast, quick guard. I said, I can't guard him. I tried. I did my best, man. And I, I think I had like 18 points in that game. David Rivers and, you know, Michael Ray Richardson, they, they won the game. And the next game, I mean, the next day, they was like, we got to release you because you're not healthy for one. And I was fine with that. You know, that time I was fine being released from a team, you know, because I knew I wasn't healthy. And then after that, I started just bouncing around all overseas, man. I went to Turkey, France, Japan, uh, you, you name it, I was there. Greece, um, I got an opportunity to play in Turkey against uh, my, my big fella at King, Rashad Griffin. Oh, yeah. You know, and, um, and he did the same route as you did, you know, made that, that like, man, the NBA ain't for me. Let's, let's go, let me go over to make a boatload of money and, and do my thing overseas. And he did it. Um, I just, I just couldn't see it, man. But I had, I did have children, you know, I was married at the time. So my family got an opportunity to see different parts of the world. And that's one thing I really loved it. My daughter's school, Greece, they went to school in Japan. They went to school in Sweden. So they got a, they got the culture, you know, so they got to experience different cultures. And that's one thing I would always cherish. There you go. A boy from the West side and a boy from the South side who kids grew up and went to school in, in, in Europe. Yep. Feels pretty doggone good. <laughs> yes, man. Yeah. It was awesome, man. It was. So, all right, you do that. You come back home. Retirement is here. You decide to take all of your knowledge and dump it into little people. And the reason I say that is because I, I'm, I'm excited about what you do. Um, I want you to tell everyone about your what you're doing now and, and give them a glimpse into the world of Marcus Liberty as you do what Coach Cox did for you, what Coach Collins has done for you, what Coach Henson has done for you and the myriad of other coaches that you have by taking all of those life experiences and pointing it into these little brains. That's what they did to me. That's what, you know, Coach Collins, Coach Collins was the one that actually got me to do what I'm doing. Um, I sat down and talked to him one time and I said, Coach, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm done playing. He says, you like being around kids, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, why don't you just start it off by doing camps? See that, you know, works do some camps and I started doing camps and it just took off from there, you know, and I did it in Chicago and then I moved, I did it in another state in Houston. And then I, now I'm doing it here in Florida, but Florida is probably the best, you know, kept secret and the best thing for me because my wife, my wife now, she helps me with a lot of that, you know, things that I, didn't know, you know, the business side of, you know, things, making sure you got your documents and making sure you're doing everything the right way. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is it. I want to be around kids. I want to mentor kids. Uh, I get it all the time. People calling me about, can you help me get into college? Can you, uh, can you guide my son? He's, he's ranked, 
but can you tell them what it's all about, you know? And it just, it was just fulfillment to me because now here it is, just like Coach Collins and Coach Cox and, and the Hambricks of the world were giving back to their student athletes. I'm doing the same thing now. And no bigger the reward than that, than me doing this, man. And I, I, I'm, I will be forever indebted to Coach Collins for seeing that in me and knowing that if I tell Marco, I keep saying Marco is because that's, that's what he called me. But if Marcus, if I can, if, if he can see that in me, then I can see that in the next young generation or young student athlete. I can give you hope just like Coach Collins gave me hope. Well, I, I love that, man. And I saw I saw on your Twitter page, you and, and, and the Dickie V have built up a nice, strong relationship down there in Florida, man. Yeah, Dickie V is, uh, that's my guy, you know, um, he's got me into coaching. He actually got me into coaching my first uh, coaching gig uh, at a high school here. Uh, so me and him built a relationship and I've been on his private jets flying the games and, and all that, man. And um, it's just good, man. Being in a basketball community with Dick Vitale and seeing him and I mean, with COVID, I don't see him as much now, but Every now and then I'll give him a call and just check on him, but he's doing fine. And he's happy that Tampa Bay, the Buc Buccaneers won. I'm uh, sure. So he's, he's all Florida. He's all Floridian, man, all the way. Well, I tell you that that's the beauty of our world is the connections that we make, you know, in the, the, the relationships that we build. Cause we don't, we never know where they come from, you know, or, or when they're going to happen. You know, you know, you like me, Dick Vitale is, is, is announcing you when you're playing in the McDonald's All-American game. You know, he's calling you a diaper dandy and all of these other things as he did with me. Now he's your friend. Now he's a mentor. Now he's someone, as you mentioned, got you into your first um, coaching spot in the high school down there. Basketball is amazing. And, and you know, I'm going to I'm going to say that and wrap up my part. But I appreciate you so much, not just for showing me what type of player I wanted to be. But when I got down to Illinois, how you guys looked out for me and made me the little brother, I took that and I did that for everybody else that came after me. And that was because you guys showed me what older, what, what vets are supposed to do when it comes to young, younger players. So I appreciate you for that, brother. I appreciate you for coming on. Oh no, before I get off here, you got to tell us about your podcast, man, because as I mentioned earlier, I'm a little, you know, you cover Chicago basketball and I haven't been on yet. If I didn't love you so much, I'd be hurt. <laughs> you definitely go. You definitely got that invite, man, an invitation to be on the show anytime you want to, actually. So, um, yeah, I started a podcast, me and my guy, uh, Robert Reed. Uh, it's called All Ball Chicago. We wanted to give uh, back to Chicago and it was during COVID, you know, so uh, we were stuck at home, wasn't doing anything. So me and him jumped on the podcasting and started doing it and it was, took off. And we had Tim Hardaway. We had uh, Nick Anderson. We had a lot of great Chicagoan basketball players, you know, come on and share their story. It's not an interview. It wasn't an interview. I said, it's time for Chicagoans to tell their story, you know? So, uh, you know how sometimes you get the mic in your face and, uh, or the pad people writing in the newspapers about you and what they want or what they think. So right. I said, you know what? I want people to tell their story. And that's why we, we started All Ball Chicago. So you can find us on uh, YouTube, All Ball Chicago. We, we go Facebook Live, All, All Ball Chicago. Um, not getting paid or anything like that. We, we doing it from the bottom of our hearts. But if somebody wants to come on and sponsor us, we, we OK with that, too. You know, but um, and then I'm also I'm also in the works on another thing. And it's about Illinois basketball. And that's going to be through uh, fan media that's coming up where we talk about, you know, Illini basketball, you know, so I'm, I'm just having fun, man. This is something I always wanted to do, you know, cause when I was going to Syracuse, if I was going to go to Syracuse, that's what I, that's the field I was going to go into speech communication. So uh, I, this is fun to me, man. I'm having, I'm having the ball doing it. Oh, well doc, you're good at it, man. And I'll tell everybody out there, go and check out all ball Chicago. It's great. I, I love it. 
And I'm not going to say I've caught no, I've caught them all, but I've caught a lot of them and, and I enjoy it. And, and I think everybody else would, would go out, would enjoy it as well. But um, yeah, big fella, we're going to close out here, man. But I want to give you a minute to, you know, the mic is yours. Give a line our nation, whatever you want to give. Well, I mean, if you want to follow me, make sure you go to my Twitter page at Give Me Liberty. You know, the real Marcus Liberty. Um, you can find me on Twitter and also on my Instagram, Liberty Edge Basketball. Uh, and my Facebook page is Marcus Liberty. Uh, been doing a lot of great things and uh, I'm going to continue to do it. And uh, I just want to thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity to come and speak and share some of my knowledge and some of the my experience is some of the things that we went through people better understanding. Sometimes, you know, and I had a professor tell me that at the University of Illinois, and I was a quiet kid, and they said, sometimes you need to open your mouth so people can understand who you are. Yes, I, I, I love that. And that was probably Jim Anderson that, that said that. <laughs> professor Anderson, Dr. Anderson, Dean Anderson now, you said me about it, it, it was actually Dr. Anderson and Dr. Philip Bowman. Oh, well, there you go. There's another one. I, I'm not surprised, but Doc, man, I appreciate you again, brother. Love you. Thank you for coming on here. I cannot wait to join you guys, you and Rob Reed on All Ball Chicago, man. I've watched it. You guys have a great time, you know, and, and I'm looking forward to being a part of it. So, all right, Illini Nation, as always, giving you nothing but the best. Make sure you go on to Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Push that check mark for Champagne on Ice. Subscribe, leave comments. And last but not least, do not forget to follow the Field of 68 Media Network. Give them a like and give them some love because without those guys, you don't have this guy. So love, peace, and hair, Grease, Illini Nation. Thank you. Thank you.